So you just feel a subtle vibration? You don't see anything, do you? Uh, nothing. I think it might be the, like, normal. Is it the, from like your a mustache? crumb kind of thing? Maybe we didn't chop it up before Could the be. show enough. Oh, welcome to the Video Reformation Podcast. I'm Ben Oliver. I'm Justin Plant. We're the co-founders of Storyboard Media and your guides to practicing effective video for business. We're like the Alfred to your Batman. Caw! I don't, I don't think that's Batman. Uh, yeah, it sounds like Birdman. Birdman. Which, Alf ooh, which Alfred is your favorite? Michael Keaton. Nope, he was Batman. <laughs> no, he was Birdman. He was <laughs> Okay, with us today is David Olson, creative director here at Storyboard Media. Welcome, David. Thanks, hey. man. If you're here, I feel like that means that it's either us to review predictions or state predictions. State predictions, and from my understanding, this year's predictions are pretty spicy. Pretty you spicy. Got the blue cheese dip already. Uh, yes. So today we are talking about our spicy predictions our spicy video for business predictions for 2022 i understand we actually do have a sponsor this week mm -hmm. new sponsor this week uh david do you want to tell everybody who the sponsor is yeah this week's sponsor is uh fetal p-h-e-e-d-l-e -E -E. i i should probably read the copy to these things before approving it before approving it but fool's errand we'll see what happens you know all right, well, stick around for the ad from Fetal later in the episode. Um, <clears throat> shall we jump in, gentlemen? Let's do it. It feels like an awfully fast intro for us, but maybe that's something we should maybe, do better yeah, on the new, podcast anyway. A new year thing. Uh, David, as our guest, would you like to go first? Sure, thank you. In 2022, I think that podcast intros are going to get a lot shorter. <laughs> that's yep. my first prediction. Yep. Yep. So far, spicy, so good. Very spicy. Uh, Justin, my, now you pick one. <laughs> my actual first prediction is kind of uh, is sort of riding off of the last prediction from our 2021 review episode, which um, everyone has watched, which everyone has watched, has listened to, they've downloaded, they've analyzed it, they've all talked about it. This year, uh, I think we're going to see a lot of COVID agnostic messaging in advertising um, and in content in general. Uh, and what I mean by that is that I think that a combination of exhaustion and uncertainty <laughs> is just going to lead to a decision Unprecedentedness? of let's just kind of pretend like this isn't a thing or slash it is a thing that we have all kind of grown accustomed to. We agree to ignore it kind of thing. Kind of. Um, I'm already seeing that a little bit. I think I mentioned, I think it was like a Home Depot ad the other day. And it's like some shots feature people in masks some people don't wear masks mm -hmm. and just that kind of thing where it's like we're not going to overemphasize this we're just going to kind of move forward with it because as you'll recall last year there was a lot of hand-wringing about what do how do we phrase this messaging do we acknowledge covid do yep. we pretend like yeah, covid never shoes. existed that was a problem do we have everybody wearing masks in the shots etc i think we're just kind of moving past it this year and let's just keep rolling with it as if you know, we're not going to obsessively think about that in the messaging itself going forward. Can I pick your creative director brain for yeah. a second here? Um, how might you rewrite the post Malone Jägermeister ad <laughs> in a COVID ignoring 2022 as opposed to the post COVID 2021? You know what? I think it's perfect as it is. <laughs> I wouldn't touch a thing. You would be doing the world a disservice. To edit that video at all 100% okay um, I tend to come down on the whole exhaustion I'm tired of hearing about COVID I'm tired of I'm tired of putting my mask on I'm tired of just like all the stuff you keep doing it right but every time I feel like I'm reminded of it it just feels like it chips something away and yet when I watch movies or something and everybody's running around in their group and nobody's wearing a mask there's also that twinge of like wait a minute that's not so i i get right. I, I think there is that kind of balance i think a lot of companies unfortunately are probably having to think about who their audience is politically which is maybe something they never, never really had to consider before and so i think some brands even b2b brands need to kind of walk that line between is anybody going to interpret this as a statement for or against? Right? It's just kind of a 
maybe there's a little bit of it here, a nod to it there, but there's also this world that is the one that we think we remember or the one that we long to get back to or whatever. So yeah, yeah, I I find no fault in your prediction. Yeah, Justin, any thoughts? Uh, no, I've I've moved past COVID already. <laughs> How exactly have you moved past COVID already? Uh, I don't know. I never got. I'm surprised I never got it. Like I, I'm not the most careful. I have kids. Mm. Um, Michael, can we do like an X-ray thing on Justin at this point, and we just see all of the COVID just <laughs> radiating through his body, right waiting to get out? Okay. Well, then, would you like to bring us a sure. spicy prediction for video for business 2022? Let's start with something pretty mild on the spicy level. Um, we'll get spicier and spicier like that. What's that show? How many Scoville is... units would you say to this? Uh, 5,000. Okay. Ro- Rory Scoville units? Yeah, Rory Scoville units. Yeah. I think you're referring to Hot Ones. Maybe. Show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. welcome to Hot Ones. <laughs> Can uh, we do that? Sure. I'll bump this up the subscribers is, a little bit. Uh, centered around employer branding video content. We've seen a, l- a lot of people calling in for help with that. Um, obviously, we're in the middle of what they're calling a great resignation. And uh, it's it's continuing. You know, the, the thing is, there's like, well, employment's at a record low. Uh, job market is really high demand. Um, people are leaving these companies at record rates to go like buy an old school bus and turn it into like a into the wild movie or something. Hippies finally won. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> um, and, and But all these these companies, these tech companies, are growing super fast. They're getting right. everybody, like the funding is going crazy. They're, they're all getting growth rounds of funding and The growth. funny thing about funding is accountability. You got to be able to execute what they give you the money to do. Yeah. yeah. And so all these companies who are expected to have this infinite growth can't hire people. People don't want to work for for them. So I think there's there's that's been a trend that started in the middle of last year. Uh, I think it's going to continue to climax throughout probably half the year, and then at some point, um, I think a couple things are going to uh, to play into this equation. Uh, people are going to start going back to mm-hmm. jobs. Um, I think that their savings are going to be depleted. The economy is in a correction or a, a recession or is heading there. Their commercials aren't reminding them of COVID. So that's done. <laughs> people are people are going to be looking for more stability. And uh, yeah, they're, so I think they're going to be moving back towards employers. Um, but I think that I think that relationship is going to change to some degree between employers and employees. Uh which we're already seeing happen, but back to the video stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's going to continue to rise like crazy uh, and then pretty much drop off. High demand or even increasing demand. Of employer of, branding content. Uh, well, high demand for employees. Sure. Yep. A lower supply of employees mm-hmm. means, one, things get really expensive. And there's a lot of competition to get the best people. Right. And so you've got to use everything to your that you have to your disposal to get the person who may be considering 12 offers because they're not one of those people who is going to go buy a school bus and yeah. and die in Alaska. Yeah. Is that what happens in that movie? That's what happened in real life. I, I also think a lot of the employer branding content will start to focus on other markets outside of the U.S. Um, hiring... Mm-hmm in South America for developers is becoming really uh, popular. And so adapting our content for those audiences is going to be important. I don't want to get too far ahead of us because I know what a couple of things are later on this list, but metaverse. I'll come back to it. I'm just going to plant that seed right now because that's not one of mine. Where does that come in? Well, (laughs) we'll come back to it when we talk about the metaverse, Web3, things like that. Uh, Globalization of the workforce. I think that provides a lot of ability. Now we're looking mm-hmm. at a 18-month timeline or a six-month timeline versus like a 10-year timeline here. So who knows? Um, 
but there might be something in the metaverse that allows global employment things like that hmm. i don't know okay seed of a thought all right well we'll pull that string when we get there we'll save that for a thread we'll save that for our predictions for 2032 yeah maybe david any thoughts on what justin just had to share uh no i mean i think it makes a lot of sense that a lot of people are looking to set themselves apart and uh in order to attract employees and at the same time you're seeing an intersection there of people who are adopting video more readily more budgets being allocated towards video Mm -hmm. so it makes a lot of sense that it's like well the first need that we need to satisfy before we push out product marketing is we actually need to hire people so that we know that we can (laughs) actually fulfill whatever we sell step one in increasing sales by 83 percent is hiring (laughs) 70 percent more sales or build a product yeah Uh, yeah yeah Something very similar to to one of your predictions from I believe two years ago, Justin. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say that this is the year. It's finally coming true. where we finally see the mainstreaming of B2B micro influencers. Mm-hmm. Specifically, <clears throat> I see the I, I finally now see the opportunity. I didn't believe it two years ago. I believe it now. That's why it's my prediction now. Um, I, I can see how it can happen now because I think what you're doing is you've got the opportunity one to find micro-influencers more readily. I just did a quick search yesterday, and there are multiple platforms now where you mm-hmm. can search for B2C, B2B influencers based mm-hmm. on audience, silo, there are subject matter expertise. for influencers, yeah. yeah. So one, they're easier to find. Two, I think there's a perceived, if not real, um, advantage to having somebody who is just that much more independent. I know when you get in the influencer space, it's all about advertising, and we know that they're getting paid and compensated for those things. But I think what you'll see is more of a replacement of like corporate spokespeople, whether it's somebody who hosts most videos or events for a company. Um, is that and to you'll shed see... accountability? Like. So they can say, oh, well, he's fired. I, I think it's an authenticity thing. Hmm. Um, again, doesn't we hurt. Can, we can so have a can... fundamental conversation about influencers and authenticity. But but I think what, what the opportunity here is to replace a corporate spokesperson or corporate kind of mascot, loosely based mascot. You mean like flow from progressive yes. kind of thing? Or yes. Yeah? Um, I, I feel like that doesn't exist as much in b2b content it, it but doesn't it, it, there's room for it but we've certainly pitched a character that mm-hmm. becomes a mascot right yeah. it's a fictional character rufus yes so so um imagine if we could replace a completely fictional character with somebody who actually has some pull an audience some kind of that's big earned mm-hmm. reputation um that's where you can really leverage I think on a smaller scale, their audience. But to me, it's just that authenticity piece. I think there's also a level of either replacing or um, enhancing your internal subject matter experts who are maybe doing thought leadership type content, whether that's executive level or just your product development guy who knows the product in and out and talks about it in an inspiring way. augmenting those people with micro influencers talking about the same thing just gives a slightly external perceived perspective uh that just feels like it gives i mean that's why there is influencer media in the first place mm-hmm. it gives it this i am not of this brand i have chosen to mm-hmm. endorse it's a third this. party yeah to me because the micro influencers in the b2b space are so much more limited than in the b2c space I mean, almost anybody who's a creator on YouTube who does makeup tutorials could become a B2C influencer Mm -hmm. for any kind of lifestyle brand, makeup brand, fashion style, whatever. That's a harder lift in the B2B space because it's not everyday stuff that everybody's doing. And so because there are fewer of them, I think they just each pull a little bit more weight. And I think, I don't know, it's a prediction. I don't know how spicy it is. It, It just feels like... Now is finally the time to say, okay, we do need to we do need to make more of a personal connection. We do need to get this authenticity into our brand. 
one of the ways that we can do that is by getting somebody who knows what they're talking about to say, yes, Mm -hmm. these guys know what they're doing with this, that, whatever. Ben would also like to take this opportunity to announce the launch of his B2B influencer brand. Ben to Ben micro micro influencers. (laughs) Damn. Stumbled over it. Not going to go back to it. That's part of it. Yep. (laughs) Authenticity. It's actually spelled micro influencers. There's two extra ends in you there. You couldn't get the domain name for <laughs> micro-influencers cleanly. Right, right. So I decided to just stumble over all of my authentic work. Perfect. Yeah, that's, you know, I'm just two years behind you. I, mm-hmm. I think it's very similar, but I think this is this I is the year th- where things kind of align more. Yeah. I feel like where it's gone from... Because I, th- I think two years ago it was, okay, we know that B2C influencers and micro-influencers are, are a thing. I think the idea was, how does that translate to B2B? Mm-hmm. Now I think it's more readily available and some people have tried some things. Mm-hmm. And, people warmed up and to the idea too. Yeah. Yep. I can't help but notice that uh, on the sheet there, it says Justin's 2020 predictions, and it's struck through, and then it just says Ben and Red Crayon above <laughs> Justin. On the tail, but you can't get yeah. that off. <laughs> um, David, back around to you. All right, my next uh, spicy prediction is spicy. that 2022 will be the end of TikTok as a punchline Oh, for our out-of-touch millennials. Uh, I feel like that's already been an overplayed thing. It's like, ooh, TikTok, that's the... That's the social media platform that yeah. that I'm too old that for and that all the kids use. Uh, but I think that its its explosive growth over the past couple of years has just validated it as a legitimate platform for for certainly B two C marketing and influencer marketing. But um, I, I don't see why that's not going to start to shift over into like B two B marketing and. Um, how that looks, what that what that feels like in terms of what you know what that content looks like remains to be seen. But um, I wouldn't be surprised if we're having some conversations at some point this year with some of our clients about you know mm-hmm. you've got your LinkedIn audience, you've got your Facebook and, and Instagram audiences. What do you guys know about TikTok? What, how would you guys recommend us to uh, you know to to start uh, putting stuff up on TikTok? I could certainly see TikTok being a platform. For employer branding video, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that may be it's kind of because you're tip reaching of the out spear. to a yeah to an individual mm-hmm. more so than a, a company. Yeah. Real quick for the unaware, can you explain kind of what is encompassed by employer branding? Yeah, I think foundationally it's trying to attract the right talent to your your company so that you have the opportunity to grow. That's any department. Um, so sometimes it's more specifically, you know, specifically focused on sales departments or engineering or whatever. But um, as these companies are growing rapidly or their growth is expected, um, especially with these outrageous valuations, uh, they have to grow fast. Yeah. And uh, so HR, I guess it used to be more of like an HR mm-hmm. kind of duty, but now there's like, you know, talent acquisition type of people embedded in companies or whether they come in as like a three-year contract to help grow the company. Um, whatever it is, it's about bringing the right talent to your So like, it, like the work and, and the compens- like and the salary like used to be all you needed. Then you needed like other benefits outside of salary. Mm-hmm. Then there needed to be a company culture. Mm-hmm. Like now the, all of that isn't even enough. You have to have values have values be about something be going somewhere that even isn't Vision. a part necessarily of company culture but all that stuff that gets so many people looking for other opportunities mm-hmm. whether it right because a lot of the great resignation is people just leaving where they've been and going somewhere else it may not even be just i mean a big part of it is leaving the traditional I think it's, workforce I think it's people waking up and realizing oh i didn't i want to i do can't believe different. i agreed to all this this is this <laughs> right. is like horseshit to me yeah um, and so, and so, yeah, it just, now there's just that much more, like you were talking about at the beginning, there's so much more competition for it. You have to be about so much more than the work we're going to ask you to do, the salary we're going to pay for it, the benefits we're going to give you, the work-life balance we're going to give you, the company culture we have, the, the vision, the financials, the investors. I mean, all mm-hmm, that board, stuff is, yeah. is that stuff that goes into what is now an employer brand. Mm-hmm. 
and it's now just that much more important. Yeah. Any off the top of your head examples of B2B TikTok done well that you've seen? I don't I know that I'm fun. I still I find so much of it cringy. Yeah. They're trying there's so, and there's I appreciate very it. cringy content on there I, for sure. trying and I appreciate that. It's just oof. I wouldn't put myself oh, out there the, like the that. businesses the the B2B the businesses in general but even more specifically cuz it's our space B2B TikTok success. It feels very try hard and like you know you're like it feels like a person of another generation attempting to use <laughs> the platform of a younger generation and yeah, somebody just told there. me yeah. what to do yeah. instead of yeah. I know why I'm doing this. But I'm sure that'll start to, you know, that'll soften and level out as you as know, Twitter did, you as, know, it as twi- as took a couple of years yep. for, for Twitter to catch on in a B2B sense. Will TikTok's relevance decrease as an older user base moves toward it? I think its relevance will increase. Uh, and that's the, I think that's the natural life cycle of social media yeah. platforms is that the young people get into it first and then old people realize they have to use it. <laughs> And then and once the old people are on it, do the it. young people are like, well, I don't want to be here anymore. Yep. And then somebody else comes up with something different. And then it becomes different. meta. And then it becomes metaverse. Then they change their name to meta. Yes. <laughs> how that works. Yep. Oh, I see it now. Yeah. I do see that as a as a good platform for just displaying company culture. Mm-hmm. Um, just silly things that happen around the office or mimetic, you know. We got memes up on our on the wall right now. <laughs> right. I think the we'll get to it now. The metaverse is really interesting opportunity. Everybody's kind of just looking at it from you know hundred yards away, like scratching their chin. Hmm. And some you know B two C brands wisely are jumping into it because it's a an incri- like you don't have to. Well, there is actually hard costs associated with developing stores and real estate costs money. Some, it, but anyhow, uh, I, I think there's an opportunity for uh, the metaverse to be a great, uh, I, I don't want to participate in it. I assume that at some point I will have to, but I do think it will be a great channel for some B2B companies. When? I, I guess I have to say 2022. <laughs> <laughs> that is a very spicy prediction. I think there will be people. <laughs> That's super I think th- spicy. I think I don't think there will be like complete adoption by you know the majority of B two B brands, but I think some are going to try it, and it's more of like a speculative act. Like, oh, what if I try this and, and I learn that, and okay, I tweak that, and all of a sudden you start to build a little bit of a knowledge base for how to use it and how other people are using it and interacting. So, tell me because this is partially me being completely completely ignoring any talk about metaverse mm-hmm. this past year and having read two articles between when we prepped for this recording and right now mm-hmm. what is the metaverse right now it's a virtual environment built on blockchain that allows for like anonymity um and escape from reality <laughs> that was actually a pretty good predict uh, description i think and 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 <sighs> i'm just gonna put on my oldest person in the room <laughs> you, you are it seems to me it might exist today in little bits of pieces that are going to become what is a greater metaverse well, there are many different there are several different in the, this the metaverse it, this virtual reality universe is something that's existed for 10 15 sure. years um but it's becoming more and more accessible more popular so what were you, what was the question again? Well, I'm I'm trying to um I'm trying to play dumb by being dumb and I'm going to wrap that up in to help our listeners who don't understand. How can I interact in the metaverse right now? I guess is my question. I think as a means of explaining like where the metaverse cuz as I understand the metaverse it is a thing that is 10, 20, 30 years away in its fullest developed form. So where we're completely consumed and well, hooked up to life support. Where it's like we, become we know what it will become. Ready because player there's a one lot. It's, yes, but there seems to be a lot of idealism around 
it as a decentralized place. Mm -hmm. And there seem to be some very vocal critics in the space who say, look, nothing is going to ever be decentralized again. There are VCs and license holders and things like that who will have control. So it feels like there's this kind of conflict between what everybody thinks it could become and what history may show us something like this will become. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably true. Okay. Yeah. So so it's an idea of blockchain, crypto, NFTs, that whole world. I think it's an experiential platform. Sure. Some- and and but that is some like functional element of it too, right? Where content is owned by the creators and uh, transactions are done with a decentralized currency. Mm-hmm. Are any of these things completely outside of it, or, or are these all kind of little different elements that I feel like still need to kind of gel together? Don't, I think you're just you're picking at things that are just part of blockchain technology. Okay, that's could um, be. And but they do interact; they can interact. Um, I think you know. I, Another I guess, simple example might be you can do your shopping at Walmart. I think Walmart just released its its virtual shopping uh experience okay and so at, at the um what ces the mm-hmm. other day and you know you put on your oculus rift goggles and then you can go shopping at walmart and someone walks you down the aisles and says can i help you with this or and you pick out your groceries and you pick out all the things you want and then it shows up at your door the next day um or a few hours later whatever it is um, as opposed to even just browsing mm-hmm. e-commerce, you get the experience of visiting a store, in and then you can go to another store from there, down the street from the Walmart, in the sort of theoretical mm-hmm. what it's going to become metaverse. You could you could technically have a business meeting in the metaverse. Mm-hmm. As salespeople could be at a coffee shop talking. Um, I I don't think that for the most part, I don't think people are going to be be, be able to use it at work. (laughs) Like let's just say you work at a software company because that's, you know, very accessible B2B. So let's say you work at a software company. I don't think you're going to be able to use it at work unless it helps achieve some business function like the salesperson. Um, And I don't think people are going to leave work to go do more business trans, you know, conduct business mm-hmm. <laughs> after work is over with as they try to escape. But I do think it's going to be, I think the, the amount of data that companies are able to extract from every single thing you do, because there's a digital footprint, everything, you know, how long you've been in the universe, how many ads you've been exposed to, how, mm-hmm. what people you were with in the metaverse, um, all these things are, are data points that you can use to target people. And then there's a, I think there's going to be a to kind of add on to this being a, a channel. I think there's going to be a, a watch to earn situation where you watch this ad, you go through this B two B virtual experience, and you earn X coin, you know, <clears throat> certain amount of coin, um, or bonus points, whatever you want to call it. Mm. Uh, so I think there's it's going to be there's a lot of room for innovation here. And I think yeah. it's, um, I just think it's going to, people are going to start using it this year, even in a B2B sense. Um, I don't know that it'll be publicized as nearly as much because all the sexy stuff is like Nike and Snoop Dogg. Um, but that's where I'm at. Okay. Getting spicier. Spicy. That Scoville unit meter is just cranking up. Uh, David, I know you had some. Justin just pointed at me in a very a oh yeah because you manner. said some you you said metaverse and then just left that alone so did you, was there a thread you wanted to pull R- regarding employer branding right mm-hmm. he planted a seed mm-hmm. yeah I, can I talk uh, yep. uh, how those interact a little bit um, like you just uh, identified that shopping experience mm-hmm. right well at one point does a salesperson for a software company become robotic or, or all that information being shared become robotic and then and so i think another part of the decline of employer branding being needed is that it's going to force automation and uh robotic process automation to to fulfill this gap that's sitting there and so that will also contribute to the decline of the need for that content i I mean it's like what dan pink said 
20 years ago now, um, that all of the jobs that have repeatable processes will be taken over by some form of automation. That doesn't mean robots. But where does AI fit into this? Yeah. I mean, if you are in a metaverse interacting with someone, how do you know that it is you on your headset and me on my headset versus you being a completely planted artificial intelligence-based influencer even. Mm -hmm. yeah but you're designed to sell me something even though i might be there to do or get something else how do i know that you are a person versus a completely artificially artificial intelligence derived avatar i, I mean it's or is that part of the promise well it's, maybe but it's also akin to the chatbot greets you yep. at the corner of which a website is getting more and more advanced every which has the <clears throat> face of the founder or mm -hmm. or the sales rep or whoever on the on the little uh, you know the little image yeah, there yeah. and if you interact with it for more than <laughs> seven seconds you're like okay this is obviously a robot and not a person there but like you said some of them are getting more advanced mm -hmm. um i've even had one though where someone responds said no this is actually me and i can see you typing and <laughs> deleting your question like I've had which that is exactly too. what an ai would say <laughs> yeah exactly so when i planted the seed metaverse when we were talking about employer branding uh you were talking about maybe hiring a developer in south america um one of the key tenets as i understand it around the metaverse is this kind of decentralized financial system mm -hmm. right so instead of a dollar that is endorsed by a geographic government right it's blockchain bitcoin crypto it's all those right um seems to me that the combination of virtual location virtual presence um decentralized finances lends itself to a much more globalized workforce for companies in addition to much more automated ai based robot based but like you it, it just makes it a whole lot easier to hire anyone in the world or create a compensation system that is based on this borderless financial system so that's yes <laughs> well that's interesting because the value, well, no, I'm going over my head on this one, so I'm going to stop right That's there. That's fair. That's where yeah, I But I was just thinking, like, well, aren't stocks based on some sort of valuation? And can you compensate people if, if Salesforce decided to release a coin, uh, it, it, issue mm -hmm. a coin, could they compensate employees with that coin? And does it have monetary value or just a perceived value? <clears throat> and, then, and then I started... So money is a lie, is what you're saying. Well, the dollar is. <laughs> um, that is a spicy take for 2022 as yeah. it relates to video for business. Get this man a glass of milk. <laughs> um, can we bring this conversation back to video a little bit? Yeah. No. I Because I feel like I, I, I needed... A great, I needed to make sure that we were at least on the same table as each other, if not the same sure. page in terms of metaverse. So now that I feel like we all understand how we're thinking about the metaverse, where are the opportunities for video and metaverse? And maybe jumping to your metaverse-related one, what's actually going to happen this year in the metaverse's infancy if we want to call that so or maybe toddlership now yeah well maybe like a first step is f figuring out how you can take advantage of augmented reality in terms of it being a potential solution for your business needs um right now it exists as kind of like you know um snapchat or another social media you know uh application it's like a playground in yeah. gaming, things like that, versus it actually having a practical, or I guess it's not fair to say that that's not like useful, but like in terms of a business application, um, where does AR fit into this? And I think, I mean, an, uh, a simple answer, it's not necessarily B2B, but like real estate, right? You can take virtual real estate tours using AR. That's mm -hmm. something that makes a lot of sense for a lot mm -hmm. of real estate, especially in a uh, 
pandemic world or post pandemic where people are like I just or if you want to it look or at real estate in another city going to have an offer by the time you can get there physically whatever right yeah. so there there's one application um but just i think that by the end of the year this was my um prediction was that by the end of the year we'll be having conversations about ar in some capacity with some of our clients meaning maybe they're not sure about having a metaverse strategy at this point i think is the way you phrased it but like at least having that conversation about thinking other ways that we could sort of be delivering content and making content more experiential for our uh, for our audience. Mm -hmm. Is it just me or were there like a thousand times more social media memes of people interacting in the world, real world with their VR headsets on this Christmas? Hmm. Anyone else notice that? I feel like I saw so many videos over the last couple of weeks of people like, running from grenades that they dropped in mm, in yeah, virtual reality or probably like just the they're boxing but with a vr headset on like hardware companies trying to sell well if you're seeing it on facebook slash instagram it's probably just them realize. saying look at how many people have this and you don't have it yet yeah it, it could know? be they seem they seem organic yeah i'm sure they are <laughs> uh i got i got a spicy take for you is it a good time for a sponsor <laughs> <laughs> ass <laughs> No, it's not because I was fine. <laughs> Feeder or feedly or fetal? Fetal. 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 Yeah. Let's see what fetal's all about. Let's all right. hear from fetal. And maybe by the time the spot's over, I'll have forgotten what my next point was and we can go back to it, you the said metaverse. What you, were, you started with, and here's a spicy take for you. No, oh, that's so where that, I'll pick that it help? up from there. Okay. Yeah, that's good. Have you had enough? Are you just fucking over it? Does the state of the world make you want to curl up into a little ball and suck your thumb until the bad things stop? Well, have no additional fear. Fetal is here. Fetal is the world's first fetal positioning harness for adults who are constantly on the verge of a nervous breakdown. Designed by a team of anxiety-riddled engineers, Fetal makes it easy to replicate the prenatal fetal position anywhere, anytime. So you can endure the extreme psychological traumas that our rapidly crumbling society subjects us to with each passing day. Not sure whether you should send your kids to school, keep them at home, or just fake your own death and open a taco shack on a beach in Costa Rica? With Fetal, you don't have to choose. Use promo code WHENWILLITEND10 to save 10% on your first, but probably not your last, order today. Fetal. Just give up. I found it very useful. <clears throat> I, um, I even sprang for the the expansion the uh, amniotic fluid expansion pack nice and uh very hydrating it looked really messy but also worth it mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so i'm not only a member i'm the president <laughs> was that you yeah <laughs> did you approve this copy i wrote that copy okay well i didn't write that copy where'd you guys hang your harness oh i don't hang it i just keep it under my couch mm -hmm. and that way if anyone were over they wouldn't necessarily know that i rely on it as much as i do but most times it's just reach under the couch and just put her on slap climb in yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah i've got mine in the office yeah hmm. so good, good call yeah you ever crawl into it during like a pitch meeting or anything uh yeah especially like i'll turn my video off and be like oh my camera's not working today <laughs> and uh <laughs> yeah What's david that? you want to mute your mic there you can hear you sucking your thumb <laughs> Well, I don't know what you're talking about. Thanks so much to Fetal for being our first sponsor of 2022. Yeah, congratulations, too. I've got a spicy prediction mm. for 2022. Um, I actually don't think this is so much a prediction as it is a continuation of a trend because I brought data. The robot. Yes, from Star Trek. <laughs> yes. I'm going to say that marketers are going to continue to be given fewer resources and yet asked to do even more with those fewer resources. So back up and, and talk about the data. What, what have you seen? So um, regular listeners of this podcast may know that I don't really love Gartner just because one person who wrote a report made an anecdotal throwaway comment about an idiom and tried. Anyway, um, but Gartner's 2021 State of Marketing Budgets report, um, which basically surveyed 400 CMOs um, show that for the first time since they started doing that report, which was 2014, uh, 
marketing budgets as a percentage of revenue dropped below 10% for the first time. So 2014 through 2020, it was 10 to 12%. Mm-hmm. So, uh, that, and that's marketing budget as percentage of revenue. Uh, 2021, it went from 11 point something percent to 6.4 percent. Wow. Um, and my fear hmm. is that the 2022 report is going to be even lower than 6.4 percent, likely because the executives who who decided it was okay to go from 11 to 6.4% are not going to see any short-term um, negative effects of that. And so they're going to say, well, hey, we've been overpaying you from a budget standpoint all along anyway. Now we know that we only need to give you 5 or 6% of our revenue instead of 10 to 12%. Do you, do you feel like maybe some of that is due to the segmenting of marketing departments into like putting demand gen maybe under sales or uh, splitting up their teams in various ways or, um, or adding teams to the company in which case it waters down everyone's budget a little bit um i don't i don't think so because um while i don't have it in front of me uh i feel like demand gen is actually included in part as in a specific example included in part of what was under right, these Outlined are CMO definition of marketing respondents. So it was it was kind of um, in there. Um, so it, it certainly could be. I think what it is is that that they finally saw a need to tighten purse strings, and one of the places they did it was marketing. And guess what? The world didn't end for a lot of those brands, and so they got better. And so they're going to say, oh well. I, I mean, it's kind of it's. I'm sure there's a term for it, but. You know, it's like um, gas prices finally go over like $4 for the first time per gallon or something like that. Like gas never went over $2 a gallon until like 2003. In fact, like the billboards on interstates just had like a permanent one Mm -hmm. and a decimal. And then it was just it was anywhere between $1.01 and $1.99. Well, in 2003, 2004, for various reasons. It went above $2 for the first time, and it's never really come back down because the market didn't fall apart. Mm-hmm. People didn't stop buying gas. We very quickly got used to paying 2 and then $3 a gallon. I think if you think about it in the opposite direction, this is executives at the highest level saying, well, we've got to commit 10 to 12% of our annual revenue to marketing. And then when they decided not to and took the risk and went down to 6.4%, the world didn't stop turning. They kept making money, and that gives them no reason to go back up to that 10 to 12%. I do think it will eventually, three, four, five years, get closer to that, but I think we're looking at two, three years here of half the marketing budget that companies are used to having and yet being expected to do either exactly the same or likely even more with that smaller budget. Now, inside of those numbers, um, those same companies are saying that 75% of their spend is going to digital mm-hmm. at this point. I don't think that's a surprise at all. It was just kind of reassuring to see the numbers. But any of those kind of offline marketing trends just fall like in the bottom three categories and combined only make up about 25%. Um, of where any of that marketing budget is going. Like events. Like events, which cue up my spiciest take, events are dead. Live events? Live or or in-person, live, as you know them, user conferences, dead. Um, Largely because... Just B2B conferences, like user conferences type thing for certainly user conferences you think that's not gonna i think dreamforce has evolved Mm -hmm. you talked about it in the last episode Mm -hmm. um because we were assessing the idea that live events were going to rebound a little bit but be a little bit more hybrid where there was an expectation of right it always used to be expectation of people in the room we gotta get 600 6,000, whatever it is people here and we have to entertain them. We have to keep them from going out to this fancy city that we booked, you know, space in. Um, then it went to 
okay, well, we've got to find a virtual option for all the people who aren't going to travel. Mm-hmm. And, and, and what we thought was that it would kind of go back to this live thing, but also have this almost like accessibility angle of people who either chose not to travel because there was a new variant spike or it just wasn't in their budget anymore to go travel and they could attend virtually. I think all that is gone and the event, whatever the event was intended to accomplish, uh, networking, strangely, uh, new product, um, roadmap announcements, um, all those kinds of things that that was the purpose of the event of the event is going to go digital, probably even asynchronous. I don't know that I want to go that far yet with it, but it will be a broadcast event. It will not be a thing where people get together for two or three days anymore. Um, I think we will likely see the last of the middle 80% of the industry. I, you're not going to see Adobe Max go completely dead. You're not going to see CES or NAB. or They're not going to completely die. But I think that middle percent of the market companies that are trying to bring in the 600 people each year mm-hmm. instead of 6,000 or 16,000 or whatever mm-hmm. it is, they've got less money to work with and they're going to they're gonna use it elsewhere. They're going to use it, in the it metaverse. more in these digital platforms, which includes it's a, the metaverse, actually, it's a which includes use video. case. Yes. I was just going to say before you said that, like, it makes a lot of sense for that, that middle, like you said, middle 80% yeah. to do it. I mean, yeah, the, the top ones where it's just part of your, it's so identified with your brand that it makes it, there's additional value there, yeah. that'll probably stay intact. But yeah, yeah, those middle conferences, who, yeah, it's just way too much of an investment in resources and time and people to- There are whole departments dedicated to yeah. running yeah. a single event. Maybe there's one in you know, Europe, one in Asia, one in the US or something, but that's the, their job all year. And, and there's like 10 of them. Yep, and they're either gonna have to adapt to non-geographic in-person events, mm-hmm or go be a wedding planner? Yes, I, I think you're right. I think that, um, so adding on to that, I'm going to bring in another prediction. Just like last year, Salesforce launched Salesforce Plus, its premium streaming network, with the content produced from Dreamforce. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's the connection here. Yep. Um, is that... Other brands will start, B2B brands will start launching streaming platforms. I think I maybe hinted at that on the last, like, recap from the last episode. The ones that can, yep. But yeah, Yeah. I I think that there's a, like, that just kind of brings that, not only that expertise uh, component to maybe whatever their niche is, um, but it, it creates ways for other people to engage with their brand in new ways. Yeah. So there's a lot of room for creativity in something like that, figuring out, all right, what shows do we produce? Or, or yeah, what, I, what podcast network are we going to start? Yes. Like HubSpot started a podcast yep. network. What do we – how do we pause and unwrap why we did these things in the first place? Mm-hmm. And what has changed? And how might we communicate that differently now than we did 10 or 15 years Based ago when we started doing these expectations, things Expectations, anyway? yeah. yeah. Oh, well, we would have loved to have done it 10 or 15 years ago, but the streaming technology wasn't there mm-hmm. yet. The bandwidth wasn't there yet. Well, guess what? That stuff's there now. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, events are dead. Long live events. Uh, David? Uh, yeah, my last points on there, my last prediction. <laughs> this is the we're bring, we're, of all? No, I think we're bringing, we're bring, we're <laughs> the, bringing heat the level down. heat level down. This is just some – this is a little uh, – Leftovers. Cholula. Uh this is just the idea that just catch um, it's kind of piggybacking off of your um, your note about marketing budgets mm-hmm. being cut, but with budget shifting and potentially contracting, that just means you're going to need to find ways to get more out of what you already have, and we preach this all the time, but I think people are beginning to internalize and understand that video is an incredible way to actually collect data. They probably, if they're already using video and they have any kind of like hosting decent platform hosting, for yeah. decent hosting platform, there's data on there that you can be using to drive this year's, you know, uh, marketing content strategy. 
whether that's with video or or, or other content, um, and it's just sitting there. And mm. maybe they're u- using it. At least in our experience, we've seen a lot of clients, a lot of people out there aren't really using this data to their advantage. Um, and at the same time, I imagine a lot of that data collection from the actual hosting platforms, they're getting more advanced with what they're offering, what type of analytics they're offering. So I think there's just a lot out there that they can already be using, and it just makes video that much more valuable. I mean, that's really not trying to be like, like come use video, guys, but like if you're, if you're already using it and if you're planning to make more, just know that there's also a lot of opportunity there to be collecting data about your, your audience without having to go and like hire these like data collection firms to like. Mm-hmm. Well, the, I mean, the numbers are out there. I don't remember what they are offhand. It's been a while, but it is at the same time like shocking. <sighs> that probably is a Gartner number. Um, it is both shocking and completely unsurprising at all. The gap between how much companies and how much companies spend to get access to data and how little they invest in actually looking at the data. Right. Yeah. 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 And even though I knew that you were going data when you first started talking, I felt like you were going to land on repurposing content, getting more out of what you've already done. Yes. Maybe that's kind of an add on yeah. little prediction here is, is, What's on the cutting room floor? Yeah, less, you know, it always used to be like, well, this content needs to be evergreen. And then it was, well, this content needs to be, like, relevant and today. And maybe kind of the in-between is like, well, you you make something and then you take what you captured to make that and you go make something different every day. Like, that's that's repurposing content, using either what's on the cutting room floor or using different pieces on different channels, another episode we could have Mickey on for, you know, taking a part of a video, turning it into an audiogram for social media, is it even necessarily a re-edit or picking up off the, the cutting room floor, as it were? It's just putting the same thing out there over and over again to get more legs out of the thing that you produce or the things that you produce. Not entirely spicy, but feels like it presented itself in the conversation. Yep. I want to hear Justin talk more about Web3. Okay. So this is... Can we... Got that? Web3 is all on paper that you (laughs) print out, right? NFTs present an interesting opportunity for media, clearly. Like, that's already been proven. Um, And especially for creators, Right. You've seen what Beeple has done and like the, what are those apes, the grumpy apes or the bored apes, bored gorillas, those guys. It's, I yeah. know what you're talking about, but I also don't some, really know what you're talking about. There's some kitten thing. Yeah. <laughs> Anyhow, um, so creators are, are taking advantage of NFTs. This is a little bit of just thought provoking points that I started to go down this rabbit hole and just kept making more and more sub bullet points and <laughs> sub bullet points. Uh, so buckle up. Um, this is going to get really interesting. Uh, I think so. I think there's a couple a- applications that can be uh, taken advantage of with NFTs. One is token gating, so only allowing certain token holders to access certain types of content. It's not a brand new concept. It's like just selling a number of tickets to yep. a, to an event. Um, but I think it, that will be a, a, a more of a transferable good that you can then sell to somebody else and then there's a limited number and you can continue to that basically becomes an investment um i think the intellectual property and royalty management of creators content uh not so creators content i'm thinking of specifically digital assets like music Mm -hmm. and uh, after effects templates Mm -hmm. um 3d modeling etc um i think that there's some people are going to start doing it i don't know if i i I don't know if it's going to be adopted entirely especially because the infrastructure for for us as a producer to access that to get that stuff we don't have a a a wallet a digital wallet to buy those things no but you could i mean for anybody listening 
to this podcast who is in the production space, you could easily leap from the royalty-free music library sites that exist now to an NFT-based system Mm -hmm. where you get to get certain levels of rights, pass those on to an end user or not. It's just a matter of who's... It's almost who's going to get there first. Then they're going to have shitty music. So then somebody who comes in is going to come in and say, okay, this is how the platform works. Thanks for doing that work for us. Here's better music. Mm -hmm. And then... Uh, Shutterstock will come back in with premium beat all. and say, yeah, this is how we're doing this now. All right, next bullet point. Yeah, okay, bullet point one, I buy it. I okay. got you. I got um, you back on that one. I don't know that we can do this. Uh, when we transfer ownership of what, of our produced content or the media we create, the project files that we develop, um, I don't know, can we issue that to a client as an NFT. I don't know if there's any value in doing something like that. If there were that opportunity for us to issue an NFT to a client for, for a certain pro, uh, It could video be a really compelling way to make them make their final payment. <laughs> Are those our storybooks? <laughs> yeah. Story yes. Um, <laughs> a project that has been in the works for three and a half years. <laughs> I forgot about storybooks. That uh, almost happened. But I think, so if, if that were an opportunity, I think it's interesting way to create a shared revenue model where it, it written into the that smart contract mm. you could have certain certain claims that if, if we get it because you can track all of this stuff in like you know, videos very as you pointed out data focused um metaverse if you can get people to take certain actions then that registers in the smart contract that okay uh 10 percent or x amount of that lead well, and then there's value almost, goes to the and producer. It's, it's like you're not relying on our clients to report to properly set up Salesforce right. to report that. It's just part of the digital evolution and sharing uh, transaction part of that. That's yeah. interesting. I think the huge barrier, whether it's metaverse or NFTs or whatever, the, the huge barrier is the infrastructure for businesses to adopt. And I, and I don't know that there's like. Digital wallets are easy for anybody to access on a personal level, but being able to for a business to own that as a financial as like a financial tool, I don't think it exists. And so I think it's going to be a while before transactions like that can be made from a business entity. So spicy prediction for twenty twenty seven seven five. Well, there's a business opportunity. So Maybe our friends it. at UDX can can help us out. Yeah. Figure that out. Yeah. What else you got there? Mm. Turn the page. I've got, um, I guess, kind of the last point here. Uh, universities will begin offering creator workshops and classes to fill the demand for content. I'm going to ask the same question I asked in prep. Aren't they already doing that? Um, I think that they have more traditional media training and journalism training, but I don't think they're giving students the opportunity uh, or like the tools that are being used like that maybe there is somewhere some place but i think it's going to become more prevalent i think that people want to build that into like you were saying about b2b influencers uh, the potential for b2b influencers to grow and proliferate um people using their creator powers as even if they are an employee at somewhere to either contribute to that employer or grow their own uh, side hustle type of thing, I think it's a, I think it's a good opportunity for universities to to leverage, or not leverage, but build, make, attract students. Yeah. So that's all I got. And then speed, agility, flexibility will be essential for marketers. Trends. You're gonna read it all upside down. Pop until <laughs> you take over. It was just a. It was a stream of consciousness. But so I guess wrapping all these things up, um, there's a lot of opportunities to do some really new, interesting things as marketers, as uh, video producers, enablers um, in the B2B world. There are some barriers, uh, whether that's technology or budgets or whatever, and so. Uh, and also because of the COVID agnostic, we don't, we're kind of in this limbo of, do we acknowledge it? 
what's happening? What is the CDC going to say next week? What is this government going to say about this mandate and insurance and all these all these trends, headlines, um, behavioral patterns? All these things change so rapidly and they're so ephemeral mm-hmm. that that if you're going to invest in video, you must have a strategy because you've got to have the plan. Otherwise, you're wandering around in the dark, attracted by every little firefly that pops up. And if you've got to know what your true north is, and you know, if you've got a year-long strategy, I think it's good to commit quarter by quarters to what you're going to do and adapt to the trends, but know that those are just as ephemeral as anything else. So know what your purpose is, use that strategy to guide you throughout the year, and take, the most, uh, take advantage of the budget you do have in the best way possible. Here, here. Well said. Amen. Call to action. Uh, I got to ask this because we just recorded our look back on our predictions for 2021. Which ones are not going to come true? Saying this can happen. We all felt like we all felt like so much was going to innovate last year and it just kind of didn't. I know. I wrote at the top of my pages here just a lot has changed. However, video was pretty stagnant. So all of my thoughts are like things that just tangentially skip through like stagnant or stable stable video is the grounding force video is consistent just trying to put positive spin on video here. okay no no just that like video hasn't evolved in any really meaningful way in the past year i feel like i think it's become adopted and more so than it has in the past but um, people are used to using it. Certainly, it certainly has lost its novelty. Yeah. It just some, kind of is. In some capacities, yeah, people expect to see that. Um, but, yeah, that's why all of these things are like, well, how can video dip into this pond and that pond and, and kind of... I think maybe instead of reviewing our previous our predictions for the previous year, we just, like, wait two or three years and then come back I'll to I'll do, that. like, a three-year recap. Yeah. Like a rolling like, three years. Here's what we thought three years ago. Let's see if that's finally happened now. Because we, because I, I think there's a certain point to all of these for the three of us that we want these things to happen yeah. in the next yeah. twelve that's, months too. Yep. Right. And so we're a little biased. Um. So perhaps what we do every year is we lay out a great roadmap for the space that we're in to evolve and innovate, and we're not necessarily in a position to push that evolution mm-hmm. or innovation and uh nobody's listening anyway shall we do a quick recap so that <clears throat> next year we when we <laughs> uh let's see top of the head we notes. talked about uh well, you got about, most of them in here right yeah but i didn't want to cheat uh all right so david you started with covid agnostic advertising like it's just a thing or it isn't we're gonna work around it we can be hopeful but not like weird much less of the in these uncertain times yes um i went on to employer branding spiking somewhere in the middle of the year the the demand for it and then dropping dramatically towards the end of the year i don't know that you hammered home the dropping dramatically at the end of the year necessarily part of it okay short-lived here and gone by Mm -hmm. the end of the year Mm -hmm. i had b2b micro influencers finally being adopted from a more mainstream standpoint Mm mm-hmm uh, then I think we talked about the metaverse for about an hour. <laughs> yeah, somewhere we were talking about TikTok in there being yeah, a legitimate right. platform. TikTok. Yep, TikTok. We went influencers to TikTok. Yep. Yeah, so TikTok becoming adopted by. At some point, someone business. started talking about crypto and Bitcoin, and I think I passed out for a minute. Mm-hmm. Uh, marketers getting less money and just going to have to deal with that. And as a result of that, events are dead. You heard it here first. What else we have? Data. From Star Trek. Yeah. Um, it's not the first time we've done this. NFTs as a means of sharing ownership of... I thought you said NFTs. What? Oh, and you said NFTs. Yep, NFTs. Data was also followed by repurposed content. It's kind of a last-minute throw-in. And then Justin went on a rant about... Something and then I threw a wet oh yeah universities and I threw a wet blanket on everything by asking if this space is going to continue to evolve or 
at this time next year, it's going to be the same thing that it is right now. Mm-hmm. Yay. Is this On where we say, note, <laughs> let's remember to go back and listen to the last three minutes of this episode. Yeah, that was helpful. Next year. Yeah. That was good. Can we make a note of that this time? Can we like put it on the calendar for December when we do the review episode? Um, Because I got 57 minutes into our last episode Mm -hmm. before hearing. So let's recap so that we don't have to listen to the whole episode next year. Well, then I would thank you all for joining us for this episode of the Video Reformation Podcast. Uh, I've been Ben Oliver. I still am Justin Plant. I'm David Olson. And we're... Storyboard Media. Perfect. Nailed it. Go out with a bang.